Thanks for joining us for the Westbridge Church Podcast. More information about Westbridge Church is available at westbridgedanville.com. Here's this week's message from Pastor John McDougall. church family. It's good to be together, isn't it? And we gather today to continue our liftoff. I, I picture us as a, a, as a ministry team just flying down the runway of this BLESS initiative, and we're in liftoff mode. We're uh, talking about really focused on this reality and, and the song and the prayer that we just prayed that, that the blessing of God would flow through us to those around us. We have been blessed in Christ, and it's a blessing that, that we've been given to distribute, and so we're firing up around that idea each Sunday, okay, let's go bless then, and we're looking at essentials that will help us, one essential per Sunday that will help us and equip us to go be a blessing, and we, uh, so I was thinking about the, uh, the vision for the end of the year, and where, where do we want to be when we end up this year, just that idea that the pure love of Christ would be so beating in our hearts and flowing through us and, and mobilizing us, empowering us, shaping how we live, that, that by the end of this year, we're all simply praying the prayer, Lord, make me a blessing. When we wake up in the morning, as we enter different environments, whether at work, family, whatever it may be, that's the, just the reflex of our, our lives. Lord, make me a blessing. And if we're all living like that, and when you're around someone who's just praying that as they walk into a room, make me a blessing, that, that people, you can't help but be a blessing as the love of Christ flows through you, and people end up saying, I don't know what just happened, but I like hanging out with that person, and Lord, thank you for them, they may, thank you for letting them be a blessing, and um, do it again, make another one of them, and I was thinking, have you been around people, last uh, Sunday, Sunday night? At our uh, campfire praise time, the, uh, the Johnsons were up there leading in worship, and I had that thought, Lord, thank you for them. Um, blessing us, the Legans bringing the food, the Heralds bringing the food, and then as we gather at church, have you been around somebody who you just find yourself thanking the Lord for that person and then praying, clone them, do it again, <laughs> and that's the idea. I was, if I could highlight one more thank you, Lord, moment for someone allowing the blessing of God to flow through them is Aunt Wilma Harness. Aunt Wilma, are you, she's right back here. If you don't know her, get to know her. She's been a part of our church family for many years, but if you, as you walk into church, you stop at the door there and you wait for her, you will notice she will just make her way across the foyer, hugging person after person. She can't help it. It's the love of Christ flowing through her so that she blesses and she'll hug, 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 hug until she makes it to the nursery where she's been for how many years? Decades. Loving on our kids. That's the picture. So we say, okay, Lord, you have blessed us to be a blessing as we live with a purity of love. How do we get there? And the game plan is this BLESS initiative. And it should be in front of you if you don't have one of these cards. But the idea is this BLESS forms the acrostic. B, begin with prayer. L, listen. And each week our small groups are going through one of these letters and just focusing in on it. Rob or uh, McDougall is our really the, the heart behind this BLESS initiative and he's creating curriculum for small groups and great stuff. If you're not in a group, great time to, to jump in one, even if it's just for a few weeks. But um, today's listen and 
and it's taken from the life of Christ. So as, just as Jesus began with prayer, sinking our heart up with the Father, listen, and then uh, eat together, serve, and then share the, the good news of the gospel. So next Sunday, you guys, is going to be our commitment Sunday. This is going to be our initiative all year long, and what we're going to do next week is give us the opportunity just to say, Amen. I will go bless this coming year, and I will seek to live out as best I can this BLESS initiative. And so we'll, we'll have the opportunity just to, to make the commitment. We're praying for 500 plus of us, and the whole family can do this, kids included, who would say, Lord, I, this year I want to be a blessing. And so that's where we're headed. The, uh, in this series, in the BLESS series, we're asking that question, what are the essentials that will help us go be a blessing? And last week we looked at the, the essential of focus, living focused. Today's essential has to do with helping us when we're facing the threat of rejection, the fear of rejection. Now, as humans, we were, we're wired to conform, aren't we? We, we just, and it's healthy. Healthy social development is, is really understanding how to be, to get along with each other, how to be socially aware and take cues and, and Get with the program, right? There, there's a healthy part of, of conformity. But as we grow socially and become intelligent and, and uh, socially aware, there's the danger of the fear of rejection, which is powerful, isn't it? We, we all, we've all felt that. And as we set out to follow Christ, and at times we'll face resistance and may be in the minority when it comes to sharing the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done, there's the fear that we would cave, or the, the threat that we would cave to fear, the fear of rejection. And to just help us fill this, I, another video clip from the, uh, the, the oldie but a goodie from Candid Camera. When I saw this a couple weeks ago, it spooked me. It's a little scary. So if, if you want to watch it between your, your fingers and, and you know, shut your eyes at any point, feel free. But we'll go ahead and roll this. The gentleman in the elevator now is a Candid star. These folks who are entering, the man with a white shirt, the lady with a trench coat, and subsequently one other member of our staff, will face the rear. And you'll see how this man in the trench coat... <laughs> ...tries to maintain his individuality, but little by little... He looks at his watch, but he's really making an excuse for turning just a little bit more <laughs> to the wall. Now we'll try it once again. Here's the candid subject. Here comes the candid camera staff, three of them at least. And uh, this man has apparently been in groups before. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's a fella with his hat on in the elevator. First he makes a full turn to the rear and Charlie closes the door. A moment later, we'll open the door, everybody's changed positions. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha. 
to see if we can use... I want to see if we can use group pressure for some good. Now, in a moment, on Charlie's signal, everybody turns forward. There it is. Notice, they take off their hats. And now, do you think we could reverse the procedure? Watch. Is that not scary? <laughs> Now, um, you're probably thinking, as I was, you know, that used to be me. Thankfully, I'm now a nonconformist. I'm my own man, my own woman. <laughs> but our Lord could probably pull a little video clip off the file of last week and share a moment in our own lives where it would lead to a, another conclusion. And it leads us to the question, how do we process through the threat of the fear of rejection as we follow Christ? The, uh, this threat becomes even more significant and it's in a way scary or at least something that should own our attention as we see the Apostle Paul. Now this guy, if anyone you would say wasn't swayed by the crowd, it would be Paul, right? But at the end of his, as he's equipping us for the fight, Ephesians chapter 6, and he gives us the armor of God, at the end of this, he says, would you pray for me? And guess what owns his prayer? Ephesians chapter 6, verse uh, 18. Or actually, we'll begin reading verse 19. He says, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Interesting. What's he praying for? That I would fearlessly, boldly make known the mystery of the gospel. And the gospel there is the good news that we talked about last week of, of who Christ is. Then he says, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray, pray for me that I may declare it, and he says it again, fearlessly as I should. So here's our challenge for the day. The one thing that, that will help us, the, the one word that will equip us to go bless as we set out to, to be a blessing, and it is this, that we would fearlessly, that I would be fearless, to be fearless in the face of rejection as I set out to go bless. So picturing what that might be, what if as you have opportunity at work or in your family or, or friendship circle, opportunity opens wide for you to talk about Jesus, to lift up the name of Jesus and to lift up really your, your relationship with him and your faith story. What if you hit that moment with boldness and yes, there's risk. Yes, there's the possibility of rejection or your reputation at stake, but you as people who are listening in, and even, even as you reflect back on that moment, you could say there's one word that describes this moment, and it's fearless. Wouldn't that be cool? And if that was the mark, and, and Paul's praying for that. He said, guys, if you can pray for one thing, pray that I would fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel with boldness, be willing to point to Christ and the reality of the good news of God's grace. But fearless is a challenge. So how do we get there? Well, we're going to, to unpack a moment in Scripture that God has given us as an example, really a picture that has five checkpoints that will help us in this journey towards living fearless as we set out to go blessed. At each checkpoint throughout this, as we relive this moment in time, we'll, we'll grab a, a, a question. I encourage you to jot the question down, and that question can help as we seek to grow in, in our fearlessness. 
So the goal is when we walk out of here today that we would walk out fearless to go bless those around us. So here, the uh, text is Acts chapter 4, and we'll begin reading in verse 1. Acts chapter 4, and we'll begin reading verse 1. It says, the priest, and the, cap- the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the, and the Sadducees, they came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people, and they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. As you look at this text, the, uh, the key phrase right there is greatly disturbed. You have the power people. They come, they see Peter and John, disciples teaching, and they are mad. And, and as you see this, you see red faces, eyes that are just bearing down on them. You say, well, why? What, what's going on? And back up one chapter just to quickly context this. It was an ordinary day for Peter and John. They were going up to the temple to pray about three in the afternoon when there's a beggar at the temple gate, a beggar that they probably met before. He had been there a long time or, or many years and as they walk in, great moment where Peter, uh, if, you, if you look back in your Bible, verse 6 says, Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I give you, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet, began to walk, and he's praising God, jumping through the, uh, through the temple. Well, the people, the text says, they come rushing to this, this moment. I mean, there's all this commotion. They're, the text says they're actually running to Solomon's colonnade. So the crowd is gathered, and they're wanting to lift up Peter and John. And, and if you read the text, they say, guys, 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 no, it's not by our power that we did this. And they are focused. Last week, remember the idea of, okay, what's our job? It's to, it's to testify to the good news of God's grace. And they go right into it. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that this guy walked. The guy that, that you crucified, it, it's through his power that this guy's walking, and they're lifting up the name of Christ. And what's really cool, I encourage you to go back and read Acts chapter 3. You come to the end of the, uh, the chapter, and they go back to the Abrahamic covenant that we went to the first week. Remember where Genesis 12, where God says to Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and through you I'm going to bless all people. And they say, what happened to this guy, this lame guy? It's, it's the fulfillment of that covenant. And they're connecting the dots for them. Check it out in verse uh, 24. He says, Indeed, beginning with Samuel and all the prophets who had spoken before, who have spoken, have foretold these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. There it is. But then, next verse, when God raised, then when God raised up his servant Jesus, he sent him first to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. So that's the context we have for this moment. Great day for this lame guy. The gospel's being declared. Peter and John are are hitting this door of opportunity, speaking about the resurrection through Jesus Christ. But these leaders are greatly disturbed. And so what happens next? We look at it, we we see it there in verses uh, 3 and 4. It says, they seized Peter and John. Saying, just to help us feel that. Have you ever been seized? And we can just do this right now. Um, if you want to see somebody, like 
touch them. Somebody in front of you sees, when somebody seizes you, they, they invade your personal space, what are you doing? All right, you're ticked. You're, uh, it's like adrenaline's pumping. They seized Peter and John because it was evening. They put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed so that the number of men who believed drew to about 5,000. So they counted by counting men, which represented the family. So guesstimate 20,000 Jesus followers on this day. So they're in jail. What happens? Well, the next morning, it says, verse 5, the next day, the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. So just to fill this for a moment, it's hard for us to fill this, but the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law. Like, this is a power room right here. For us, it'd be not just the executive branch of the government, not just the Supreme Court, not just the Senate, not just the Congress. Everybody is showing up in this moment. And there are power people. He names a few. He says, Annas the high priest was there, and so is Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. And so now enter two no-name fishermen <laughs> into this room full of power. Can you feel the, the, uh, the threat of rejection? Just It is thick in the air. These guys, they're, they're from this outback Galilee, really have no standing, no place in society. And here they come under this just intense investigation and verse 7 says, And then they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. And they said, By what power or what name did you do this? And so in this moment, it's like Peter is uh, up to bat. And when they ask him that question, By what power did you heal this lame guy? It's like a pitch in softball that's not too high it's not too low it's not on the outside it's not too far inside this pitch is like straight down the center of the strike zone I mean, this is this is oh, peter salivating right and what's he do with it what do you do with that by whose power did you do this you know what they want to hear and what do you do at this moment can you feel the tension, the, the threat, the conformity? But Peter just crushes this. It's one of the great moments in, in Scripture. As it says, the, uh, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of all the people, if we are being called to account today for, for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. You see what he's doing? It's almost like he's amplifying the moment. It's like, you want to know by what power we did this? Somebody bring me a ladder. Bring me a ladder and bring me a mic. And he climbs up on that ladder. John, hold this for me. Climbs up. One more step. Can everybody see me here? You, elders, rulers, all you people, everybody in the temple. And is this mic on? Everybody hear me? Okay, let me read. Ask, ask me that question again. What was that you said? You want to know how 
this guy right here who was lame 40 years, and, and we did an act of kindness, a blessing on him. We healed him. You want to know how that happened? Is that what you're asking? Just, is that the question? Okay, you want to know how this guy who doctors couldn't heal for 40 years, this guy who sat at the door of your temple, you want to know how he's walking, talking, praising God, jumping around, how that, how that happened? Is that the question? See what he's doing? It's like, this brother is fearless. Yep, that's it. And listen to what he says. Oh, baby. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. There it is, locked in. Whom you crucified, you rejected, but God raised him from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected. They would get that. The prophet said uh, that they would trip over a stone. He's the one you, you rejected. You took When you build a building, the kingdom, the temple, you start with a cornerstone, right? That will set this pattern for every other stone. He says, this stone that you threw out, Jesus, God, you rejected him, but, but uh, he has become the cornerstone. God made him the central stone, the pattern for all other stones. And then they, they bring it home with this. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by, by which we must be saved. And he delivers the message. Now, notice what comes next, though. What, what is it that impacts these guys? It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John. And this word courage is the same word that's used in Ephesians chapter 6, that, where Paul says, pray that I would have this courage, that, that I would be fearless. What is it that made a mark in these guys' minds? What is it that, that okay, the text goes on to say, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, and they were astonished, and they took note that, that these men had been with Jesus. What is it that, that makes a mark in their mind? It's the fearlessness with which these guys testified to the good news of Jesus Christ. So here it is, you guys, and this is important. As we face the threat, of, and the fear of rejection is, is all around, rejection is not something to fear as we seek to, to share the good news of Jesus Christ but rather it creates a platform for our courage, gospel-fueled courage, and the reality of th that we do know Jesus Christ, and he is the only way, truth, and, and uh, the only life, way to be right with God. It creates the platform for that to be seen and for that to make a mark in the people who are watching. Not only those who may be rejecting us, but ultimately who's, who's going to be, who's listening in on this? It's the 20,000 that will accept the message. And so, uh, what do they do with, uh, with these guys? And, and the rest of this text goes on to say, but they, since they, they could see that the man who had been healed was standing there with them, there was nothing that they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and confer together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from, and don't you like that? We got to stop this thing. <laughs> to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer in this name. And then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then uh, 
But Peter and John replied, and this is a tension moment. So, and I, I like it how, notice how, who's in charge in this scene? The power people. Hey, guys, get out of here. We need to talk. How are we going to stop these guys? Command them. Come on back in here. Bring them back in. You guys are no longer allowed to talk in the name of Jesus. And how do Peter and John respond? But Peter and John replied, what, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to listen to him? You be the judge. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And don't you love this moment? Stop talking about Jesus. And what's their simple reply? Nope. Well, after further threats. <laughs> so as they're shaking their head, no, here comes some more threats. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't, they could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Don't you love that, that Luke throws that little tidbit in there? And all those over the, the age of 40 said amen, right? That was a miracle. <laughs> Isn't this a great moment? And, and we go back to the question, how do we live fearlessly in the face of rejection, with the threat of rejection before us as we set out to go bless? And here are five checkpoints as we work back through this scripture Five checkpoints that, that can help us grow in our fearlessness. And the first one is this. It's in verse 8. It's the word we. Checkpoint we. We. Significant, the pronoun that, that Peter uses in verse 8 when he says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to the rulers and the elders of the people, If, why didn't he say I? If I, no, what's he say? If we. How is Peter thinking? How is he doing life as a follower of Christ and as he sets out to be a bold witness? It's we. We have a team. We've been put in a team. And here in this text, we see it four times that I counted Peter and John, Peter and John, Peter and John, Peter and John. Why are they together? Because how God, it's how God called us to walk and go. When Jesus sent out his disciples, how did he send them out? Two by two. Why? What's the most repeated command in the Bible? Don't be afraid. Have you noticed what happens to your courage quotient when you're with a buddy? It goes way up. There's, there's tests that they've done on this as well, social, where they uh, test the anxiety level of somebody when they're alone, and then they put a buddy with them. And it's just how we're created. And here's the, the courage instilling, or the question to ask. As you set out to go bless, do I have a teammate? Am I running with a teammate? We, this is a, a team thing. We're, we're to do this together. And so a great thing to do would be to say, all right, Lord, if you don't have a teammate or somebody, right now our small groups are really the place where that's happening. Last week, we prayed together as a small group for our one life. That was, um, and so what, what a great uh, way just to, to know, okay, as you set out, we'll say, tomorrow, ordinary day. For Peter and John, it was an ordinary day, three o'clock, they're going off to worship. They, they do a good deed. They go bless somebody, and all of a sudden, they're just going to bless somebody? All of a sudden, boom, here they are with the spotlight. What if that's you sitting at the lunch table tomorrow? Man, are you, you do something nice for somebody, say something nice to some other guy down at the end of the table. Like, what'd you do that for? And questions your faith. Says something about Jesus. Yeah, you're one of those. Boom, doors open. 
What do you do? Wouldn't it be cool if you had somebody at the table with you who was a fellow follower of Jesus praying for you? And, and do you feel the courage go up? Or knowing that you're going to have the opportunity to, to report back in, hey, this week you, we prayed together on Sunday at small group for opportunities. Did anyone have an opportunity and did anyone have the guts to go for it, you know? And say, I, I caved to fear, but pray for me. I'm going to get back in next week when God opens that door. We, courage instiller. Second checkpoint we see in this text that helps us grow in courage and to be fearless is we are part of a movement. Look at verses 4 and 5 again. or I'm sorry, 3 and 4. Then they seized Peter and John because it was evening. They put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the, the message believed so that the number of men who, be, who believed grew to about 5,000. And as I mentioned earlier, around 20,000. You see the contrast that God is preserving for us as he preserves this moment. The power people put two in jail. Lock them up. You're done. Message over. Locked up. 20,000 set free forever from their sin, but free in the, in the streets of Jerusalem. And, and what's the, the message behind this? <laughs> this is a God thing that you can't stop. Humans can't stop this. Now, when Peter and John are in jail, if all they're seeing is themselves in jail, ah, man, we're locked up, we're, we're here, it's just us. They're going to get discouraged and they're going to be susceptible to fear. But if they're seeing the movement and reminding each other, hey, yeah, we're here and they may kill us, but there's 20,000 Jesus followers who believe the message, who are going, and this thing's way bigger than us. This is a God thing. Do you feel the courage rise? Fearless. Because this is a God thing. We are part of a movement. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell can't stop it. Death can't stop it. And every once in a while you hear, whoa, you know, world's horrible, everybody, church falling apart, blah, blah, blah. Uh-uh. The church of Jesus Christ is going and will go until he comes for us. We are part of a movement and it should embolden us to be, to be fearless as we share the message. Third, so the question here is, am I seeing the movement? Am I seeing the movement? And then the third checkpoint is, the, uh, is that we are part of a movement empowered by the Spirit of God. We see in this in verse 8, and this is really significant. The book of Acts, you know why it's named Acts? What that even means? Like, why Acts? It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. The only way the church works is through the, the empowering presence of the Spirit, Holy Spirit. And we see that in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, the Bible is clear that when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we receive the indwelling Spirit. And the Spirit's ministry to us is many things He does to help us. And uh, it's one of the most wonderful realities of, of following Christ, that we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. One of the things he empowers us to do, Acts 1a, is to be a witness to the good news of Jesus Christ. And the courage instilling reality is we are supernaturally empowered for this. Now, do we feel supernatural when we come to those moments of, of the threat is on us? No, and that's why Paul prays, pray that I would be bold. We, we need, we don't always feel it, but it doesn't, eliminate the truth and the reality that the very Spirit of God will propel us in these moments. 
So the question to ask is, am I fully surrendered to the Spirit's lead? It says, Peter was filled with the Spirit. Now, what does that mean? It's not the word indwelt. That's what happens at the moment of salvation. The filling of the Spirit is something that, that we're called to do, but it's passive. And the, the teaching comes out of Ephesians chapter 5, 17, 18, 19, but it says, be filled with, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And that image of being drunk with wine helps us understand what it means, what, what he's getting at. When, why, why aren't we to be drunk with wine? It's because then we're under the control of alcohol and we will say things and do things that will hurt God and hurt others. So he says, all right, don't be drunk with wine. But he says, be intoxicated or filled with the Spirit. Now, when somebody is drunk with wine, what happens to their speech? Other than being slurred. They say whatever they want to, right? They're free, free of speech. It's interesting in Ephesians, he says, be filled with the Spirit. And what's the very next thing he says? Speaking to one another with hymns, psalms. Now, that's the context of the church, but I think it's safe to say in looking at Acts 2, what the Spirit was given to us, not just to speak to each other, but to speak to them freely of speech, intoxicated, if you will, with His Spirit, led fully surrendered to His Spirit. And what are we going to be talking about? Jesus. And we're free to do it. We're just... So you're sitting at the lunch table again at work, and the opportunity comes up, and it's all right, Lord, I'm all yours in this moment. Lead me, guide me, and then just, here we go. I'm talking about Jesus, whatever he brings to mind, trusting him to lead. The picture of being filled is the picture of a, a sail that's fully set to catch the wind. Sometimes we, there's some songs that are going around today that are a bit misleading about the Holy Spirit, where they say, Holy Spirit, fall afresh on us, or, or fill this room with your atmosphere, whatever. The Holy Spirit is we can't get more of the Holy Spirit. He's already here, and he doesn't come to fill a room. He's already filled us. The question is, does he have all of you and all of me in those moments that he's at work? And so that's the, the question to ask. Am I filled with the Spirit? And it's a constant thing that we, as we go out, Lord, I'm surrendered to you, and lead me, guide me in this moment. But Peter filled with the Spirit. Now, we know there was another time that Peter failed, the uh, fear of rejection, in, if you read uh, Galatians chapter 2 and Acts chapter 15, it's later on. Is any, has anybody felt this? Sometimes it's easier to be bold to people who are out there than it is to people who are in here. Your family, your church family, when they're off. Because you respect them, right? And Peter um, caved to the Pharisees who had become Christians, who were wanting to elevate law. They got off track from Christ and and uh, so he had his moment, right, where he wasn't filled. But we come back, we ask forgiveness and say, Lord, fill me with your spirit and help me be bold in, in uh, proclaiming the truth. All right. Then the fourth checkpoint we see in this text is, we, so we are part of a movement empowered by the spirit of God, checkpoint four, to share the message of salvation. And just coming back to this moment where they have the opportunity to lift up Christ. And don't you love, he, he starts with Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It's by his power that this man was healed. And where does he start? The cross. Who you crucified, but God raised from the dead. He goes to the resurrection, the empty tomb. Then he goes to the fact that you rejected him as a stone, a builder, but the, he's the cornerstone. But then he comes back and hits the, the main point. Salvation is found in no one else but in Jesus Christ. Now, the words to circle in your Bible there are the, the little phrase where Peter says, no 
this. What gave these guys confidence and courage when it came time to point to Christ? They knew something, right? Peter said, guys, everybody got my, can I have your attention? Mike on, I'm climbing this ladder. How did he have the confidence to do that? He knew something. And what did he know? The simple message of the gospel. So whatever, and you can say the gospel a thousand and one different ways, but it's important for us to know with confidence. Okay, when that door opens, boom, I got it. And John 3, 3.16 is a great one. God loved, God gave, we believe, and we receive salvation. Uh, Romans 6.23, another great one. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through, through Jesus Christ our Lord. But whatever it is that we know it. So that's the question. Do I know this? Am I ready with the good news? And so, the, uh, again, picturing yourself there at the lunch table. When that door opens, am I ready to, to hit it? Maybe today you're listening to this, and this is the first time you've heard the message of salvation, that, that the way to be right with God is through faith in Jesus Christ. And you, you haven't known this, but, but I encourage you to know this. And if, if you're hearing this for the first time, the invitation from God to you is to receive this as a gift. Trust him. And I know this is a decision that you would need to process, and I, we'd love to talk with you about this or do breakfast, lunch, and, and help you just investigate the claims of Christ. But for the rest of us, the challenge would be to know this. And then the last checkpoint here, so we are part of a movement empowered by the Spirit of God to share the message of salvation. Checkpoint five, with unrelenting resolve to please God rather than people. And again, back to that last picture. Don't you love it? They're, they come in and say, you are not to teach any longer in the name of Jesus. And these guys ask them the question, what's right for us to please you or to please God? You decide. And then they say, we're not going to stop. Unrelenting Unrelent resolve to please God versus people. And so the question to us today is, who am I living to please? As long as we're living to please people, the fear of rejection will have power, especially in these moments of threat. But as we live to please God alone, the fear of rejection loses its power over us as we set out to go blessed. So bringing it all together, the challenge of the day is to, is to be fearless in the face of rejection, fearless to go blessed. And that the blessed acrostic, that all is important, but the point of, as we have opportunity to share the message of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, that we would hit that moment with boldness as, as, we, uh, as we've been called to do. So the big idea, how do we get there? And here are the checkpoints. We, we're part of a team. We're part of a movement. We are part of a movement empowered by the Spirit of God to share the message of salvation with unrelenting resolve to please God rather than people. So Friday night, I was sitting out on our back porch as the uh, sun was setting, stars were coming out, and I was just trying to soak in this moment and be there as this was playing out. And the last part of it was just thinking, okay, all these power people just told these guys, you shut up. They just spent a night in jail, so they know this is, they're serious. You shut up. Never again talk about the name of Jesus. And Peter and John just say, nope. I'm like, do you know what this is? Do you know what that, 
their words and their posture. This is a revolution. This is, these are revolutionaries, right? And then, and then trace that back down through the centuries. We are part of a revolution. But the question is a revolution of what? And that's where I saw what I hadn't seen. I got caught up in the text. You're reading through the text. You're going, if we were there that day, who are you looking at a lot? <laughs> who are you just constantly getting your attention? Who is it? It's the lame guy. It's the dude who's over here just got the big smile. He can't quit smiling. And then he sees somebody like, Hugging him. So good. Stands over here, tears. When they said, shut up, you're never again to talk about the name of Jesus. What was it that lit them up to say, nope? It was the lame guy who's now walking. And it's not about his legs, it's about his soul. The one who has the power to heal that guy's legs is the only one who has the power to heal that guy's soul. And your soul, and your soul, and your soul. So we're not shutting up. In fact, you can kill us. Because we're part of a revolution of love. We, who are we? We are ones chosen by God. Dearly loved children of God. Part of a movement. What's this movement? It's the body of Christ who came to love a broken and dying world. Enemies. That's who we are. And we're a movement empowered by the Spirit of God. And what's the Spirit of God doing? First and foremost in your heart, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. A love that will lay down its life for the sake of a lame guy. And for the sake of guys who hate you. And we're part of a movement empowered by the Spirit of God to share a message, you guys. Yeah, we're here to do good, but we're here to do way more than just good. We're here to speak of the good news. The light, as people see the light and say, thank God for you, we say, it's him and it's Jesus Christ doing what he does in me. This is a revolution of love. And where do we get the guts to say, nope, I'm pleasing him, not you. It's love, right? And aren't you thankful that these guys were fearless? We stand here today and we we know the gospel now because of a revolutionary after revolutionary who said no I will speak of Jesus fearlessly we're not perfect we're we're sheep we're chicken (laughs) but I tell you what I want to be better don't you I want it to the end of my life and this year as we set out to go blessed that as God opens those doors yeah I've I've missed them but this year there's going to be a moment where uh, he could say man I fearless, took the opportunity to lift up the name of Jesus. So I put it in my daily prayer sheet that I pray, and number four is bold. God would make me bold, and so I'll just pray this over us as we, we wrap up today. Father, I pray that you would help us to take courageous action at every opportunity, and that this would become the habit of our soul. Help us to enjoy the adventure saturated with your sufficiency and your promise that I will be with you. Help us move with the authority that you have given us. All authority. There's nothing to fear. Help us to lead bold, to love bold, to witness bold, to serve bold. 
to love bold for your glory and for the people that you died to save. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.